Hi, and welcome to episode 210 of No Crying in Baseball, the It's Hammer Time episode. My name is Patty. I'm here with my friend Patty Mouth, who has already got the dance move. She's busting them out. Yeah, I thought you were going to say that she's already hammered. <laughs> that too. Because that too. I was but... going to let that come out organically. <laughs> already done. Okay. All right, folks. I'm coming to you straight from an afternoon at the DC Improv, which is a really fun comedy spot in DC. If you're ever in the city, you should definitely check it out. But there's a two drink minimum at the DC Improv. So what was I to do? You took that as like the base, like, okay, so I start with two (laughs) drinks and then I go from there. Yeah, okay. So I had the Truth, which is a great flying dog. I think it's a double IPA. It's it's very good. I think it might be three times the IPA, the way you're talking. It it (laughs) might be. And then I had their hot mango margarita, which is like a little spicy. Yeah, it was a little spicy and a little sweet. And it had the rim, which was probably Old Bay because it's Maryland. No, it's DC. Maybe I don't know. Hence the name DC Improv. Right. (laughs) Anyway, folks, this is my show prep for tonight. So buckle up. It's going to be a a ride. But we already established that Patty is the designated driver. So when we say buckle up, we we mean seatbelts. We mean seatbelts. The whole shebang. All right. All right. On today's show. We've got our League Championship Series takeaways, including our postseason boyfriends. We're going to seize the moment to chop the chop. We're going to do some cross-training with FIFA. We've got the Police Blotter, Spirit Day, and International Baseball. And, okay, the funny thing is, Potty Mouth's notes start this section <laughs> with the word hangover, but I don't think that's going to be tomorrow. I know one probably was yesterday, too. It was. It also happened before. That is so funny because I was just looking at that and saying that is the last time that I drank this much was exactly when the Red Sox tanked. And you were here to witness that occasion. So that was like moments ago. That was what, two days ago? Yeah. Just two days ago. Okay. Yeah. But actually, I haven't drunk since then because that was that was a mighty hangover the next day. It was just such, I don't, it was such a bummer. It was deflating. And going into that night, you know, the hopes were not high, honestly. The hopes were not high among people for how the Red Sox would be doing in Houston after having just tanked twice. But the hard part, and, at, and Mr. Pottymouth and I have been talking a lot about this, obviously, because this sucks. It just sucked. Is that they had the first game was close. And so you sort of thought, okay, this is going to be a close series. But then game two and three, the Red Sox were beyond amazing. Like there was that Kiki Hernandez thing and the Grand Slams and everything was going their way. And then it was that fucking ninth inning of game four where just the Astros just pounded, pounded, pounded. And it seemed like after that point, the Red Sox lost their mojo. They just like, they just tanked. They didn't, they couldn't pitch. They couldn't hit. Like nothing was going on. I think they remembered the beginning of the season and thought, oh, wait, we weren't supposed to be here. What are we doing? You know, acting like we belong, which is what they had been doing for sure. Act like they belong because they belonged. And then, yeah. It's crazy. So I, I keep looking at this thing that I wrote down and I'm thinking, did I type that wrong? It says the Astros in that time outscored the Red Sox 22 to 1. Yeah. That is all shades of fucked up. And there was that moment. I was just talking to my dad. We were walking home from the Metro and I was talking to dad. And 
I said just, to just him, for the record, your dad is not here walking home from the metro with you. <laughs> right, this was on the right. phone. Okay. I, All right. I called him because I hadn't called him since the big loss. And I think part of me was afraid to because I knew how bummed out dad would be. Like, that's the hard part about it, you know? My well, dad, okay. I mean, my 89-year-old dad, who this just brings him such joy when the drug, Red Sox do well. Yeah, I, I get that because that's why um, your guests cut out early when the game wasn't going well because it was going to be really hard to to be there when you got super sad. Yeah. Even though that meant we missed the whiskey course. Right. We, for, we, we, we decided to forego the, the seventh inning stretch whiskey and get the heck out of Dodge so you could have a little privacy for the – for yeah. the sad. I, I yeah. had that for the record. I had that in my wicked big shot glass. Yeah, you did. And it says that on the side. So yeah, I don't know. There was that moment in that game where, where Red Sox, I mean, first Kike got stranded on third. Y'all are, if, if anybody doesn't get, give a shit about this, just fast forward for about a minute right now, because this is a painful moment. So Kike gets stranded on third, right? And then what was the next inning later, there's a guy in first and third and Travis Shaw, mayor of Ding Dong City. And you're thinking this is going to be a dinger or a dong or something, right? I just thought like that was the moment where the Red Sox were going to go ahead, but they did not. And that was the end. And Luis Garcia was so much fun to watch. He was. He pitched a gem, man. And he is not my favorite Luis Garcia in, in Major League Baseball. But boy, he was a pretty freaking amazing and entertaining. Yeah, well, rock and the we baby, cha cha cha. Yeah, totally. That was it. It was rock the baby, cha cha cha, back step pitch. That was like the the rhythm that was yep, going on. Yep, yep. And it was beautiful. So I don't know. I feel very, very sad about that. Is this when I talk about my boyfriend? Sure, sure. Talk about your boyfriend because actually he is a really good guy. He is a really good guy. So you know, we you, when we pick our boyfriends every year, who are I am going to do it this time. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to do I'll this part. Go for it. You got okay. it. You got it. So, um Potty Mouth and I pick a boyfriend, a guy on every team over the off season to to profile for our listeners, and it can't be the same guy every year. We have to pick new guys on the teams. And we pick them for a couple of reasons. One is they're really good at baseball and they like to play the game of baseball, but also they have something extra going for them, something special about them, whether they're funny or they're philanthropic or they're whatever, or they're from, you know, Potty Mouth's hometown. It could be really anything, <laughs> something yep. that, that draws us to them. And even teams that we're kind of mad at, we still pick a guy. So we decided for the Astros for like, you know, for the next couple of seasons after the the um, the scandal, the cheating scandal, we were going to pick guys who were not on the team at that time. So I picked um, designated hitter Jordan Alvarez, who ended up being the MVP of the series. So good. He was amazing. He was amazing. Here's how amazing. In game six, he went four for four, two doubles, a triple, a single. He hit 522 over over the six games in the series. His 12 hits over the series are tied for the most in a playoff series in Astros franchise history. Cover your ears for this one. In games five and six, he personally out-hit the Red Sox seven to five. Yeah, well, in the last three games, the Red Sox had eight hits. Wait, he had eight hits and the Red Sox had nine. So in three games, the Red Sox had one more hit than him. So here's the thing. So like last year, he only played two games in that shortened season because he ended up having surgery on both of his knees. Oh, right. So this is coming back from surgery on both of his knees. And he ended up like um, as DH playing like in the middle of the lineup. And my favorite thing is is, um, our pal Dusty Baker refers to Jordan Uh. Alvarez as he's a big boy in the middle. <laughs> and that's those my boyfriend. arms, man. Those yeah. arms. So, speaking of big guys, Kyle Schwaba, whose name just sounds like he should be on the Red Sox, 
I'm going to talk about something from Barstool Sports, even though I do not condone them at all. Jared Carabas had just a funny on Twitter, and I don't, I don't know, I don't like Barstool at all, but once in a while something interesting comes out and it's just on your feed. And he had decided that Kyle Schwarber should be from Waltham, Massachusetts. And Waltham is a suburb of Boston. And he totally kind of looks like the Waltham City type. You could even sort of see him with a Boston accent. He is not from Waltham. At one point, even his Wikipedia page said he was from Waltham. <laughs> and then the 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 um, story got out so much that he got to be an honorary Waltham citizen, like the the town of Waltham sent him a declaration that you are an honorary citizen from Waltham. And after game three, he did his interview in a Waltham Hawks t-shirt, which is the high school team. Nice. Which is sweet. But of course, then his hometown gets on him like, hello, like you're not from Waltham. And so he also made some very positive posts about his hometown of Middletown, Ohio. And then... Let me just say that Ohio people are very nice and yes. sort of unassuming. So we're going to let him have his fun with the, with the Waltham situation. It's like, you know, he'll get, he'll get back to us. We know. We know. He's a good dude. He'll get back to yeah. us. Yep. And, and it did. It came around. See? So, so the, the adorable thing, well, Kyle, like just a nice guy, before game six, he sent pizza to the police and firefighters in Waltham, which is just a sweet thing to do, just super sweet. But the next cool thing about it is that then the Waltham firefighters paid it forward and they sent pizza to firefighters in his hometown in Ohio. So the Ohio folks got credit See? about that at the end. We don't need to wave flags or say, hey, look at us. We know it'll come mm -hmm. around. It'll come around. And it did. And it did. And so despite my sadness about the Red Sox losing... I'm trying to look for the positive parts, and my boyfriend, Jose Siri, whose name I've been pronouncing wrong, and I'm totally sad about that, Siri, it's the accent on the second one, he was hysterical in his post-game celebrations, shall we say. So in game three, he got some airtime. He just came up barely. He just came up mid-season, end-of-season uh, rookie, and so he got a little bit of airtime during the series. During game three, he took over from Chaz McCormick in the outfield. And then in the party scene, Chaz McCormick, have you seen these party scenes? Chaz McCormick is the guy who's doing like this sort of jig, like very hoppy little dance step. Is that because he's spicy? Like McCormick's spicy? Maybe, maybe. Yeah. He's he's very animated look, looking and nobody else is dancing. And the scene is just him looking very Irish jiggy in the middle. And then Jose Siri comes in and like totally tags up on him and does some really sweet moves. Way better than Chaz, in my humble opinion. But the, the other, I mean, this is my boyfriend, right? So the other scene is him chugging beer through the trophy. That seems about yeah. right. That's, that's kind so, of spot on. That's, As we said, what, whatever makes us feel connected to these players. Right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. But he did bat 304 this season, which is not... He was in 46 at-bats, so that's, you know, a little bit of time. In the postseason, he just got one hit in eight at-bats, but it was one of those two RBI in the... In the um, 
shoot, it was in game five. And what was that big inning where the, the Astros got a bunch of runs? It was in the middle somewhere. And that's where I just got sad. But he was part of that pylon. Sigh. So I don't know. I so I okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna drop a bombshell right now. I'm ready. I'm going for the Astros in the World Series. You're dead to me. Yeah. <laughs> so nope. I've we're done. Got, you're 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 dead to me. You're absolutely got, dead to me. Nope. I, I, nope. All right. Nope. Nope. So here is my defense. Indefensible. Here's my defense. Nope. Don't even try. Don't even try. Nope. Dead to me. So so I feel that way about Atlanta though. See, oh no. I can. I, nope. Nope. I can argue that every six ways from a Sunday. Six ways from a Sunday, I got you beat. Go so ahead. So here's Dario. my thing. Here's okay. my thing about Astros. Okay. Dusty. Dusty big time. Sure. He he last managed a World Series in 2002, right? So 19 years ago. But he's the only one to go longer without hitting, getting actually winning a World Series. Then So it's a pity thing. It well, yeah, because he's an amazing dude. He is he an amazing dude. I don't so disagree. Much. I love Dusty. I will not argue the, about Dusty for the, sure. The other thing is that the guys, I mean, and Alex Cora is one of them, the guys who are at the mind center of this, right? Hinch and Cora are gone. Most of the team is gone. The only four Astros left over from 2017 are Altuve, Bregman, Correa, and Guriel. 2018, they got Machete and Kyle Tucker, who might have been involved in something, but not that. So I feel like there are so many earnest players on that team who are fine, who are like like Jordan Alvarez. He deserves this. I feel like Dusty deserves this. Those four, I think, are a problem. That's a lot but, that are a problem. Yeah, but that's I a could, large number I, of players that are what's playing the that game a, that are problem. Right, but I feel like the Braves thing about it's just their. You whole, mean the so, Hammers thing? Right. Well, but that's the problem. That's the problem is that they're still called the Braves. Okay, well we'll and get there. That we'll word get there. We'll is going to be on the stuff. So that we'll is there. why. That's why I'm going for the Astros. And you're totally comfortable with their corporate culture that is terrible to women journalists and insulting to people. And you're I okay feel, with all of that? Absolutely not. No, okay. I feel like I don't like either one. Like, these are not my top two teams. But mm -hmm. I feel like the lesser of the two evils is is Astros at this point. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. You're yep. wrong. But go ahead. We'll okay. talk. <laughs> we'll talk. Here we go. My turn. That's okay. where I'm at. Okay. All right. Okay. So... I'm at National League East, baby. My home okay. conference represent, represent. Okay, starting with, we don't use the B word. We call them the hammers. We're doing our best. Our, our, on our show, we call them the hammers. Right. We I, I'm do, not, but nobody else does. I'm, <laughs> Except for our friends at Two Strike I'm just Noise. talking about our policy as right. the podcast. So yeah. there are actually some other movements to get the hammers out there, including um, Breaking Tea, the t-shirt company, has a hammers t-shirt which is the logo in hammers that they're selling as a um, as a fundraiser for the Boys and Girls Club of Atlanta. That's so very cool. That's pretty cool. So if you want to join the call them the hammers, damn it. And again, for those of you new to this whole situation, the hammers are our choice because it honors Hammer and Hank Aaron, who's got you know rich history with the Atlanta baseball team. Um, I like the guys. The guys on this team are fun and just embody the joy of playing baseball and totally, they play like totally. a team. Now you're now you're patronizing me, so will you just stop? No, no, you no, stop no. and let me go. <laughs> I was gonna say 
I, I agree. Like, that's the part that I love about them. These guys yeah. are great. They are great. They are great. And they don't have like the four. Well, if we can include, you know, you know, just don't don't. If we didn't right. have the cheaters, they'd be fine. OK, so they don't have those guys. They don't have those guys. They had a problem guy who's gone. They got they got him gone. So that's good. Right. So the best time to watch them, however, is when they're the away team. And I wish, yes, I wish that you know how MLB moved the All Star Game out of frickin' Georgia, which was not the problems with the this baseball team, which is a separate set of issues, which is very real. It was a problem with the state of Georgia and their you know their laws and their policies. I wish they would they could move the damn World Series the hell out of Atlanta too, because bigger Georgia policies, specific team policies, and the freaking fans. The freaking yeah. fans. Not all the fans, but the horrible fans. All right. So back to the good stuff. Hooray for sexy defense. If you watch these games, the infield was tight. They were so much fun to watch. You know I love me some sexy defense. And they've got Charlie's dad, the friendliest first baseman. And the last Austin standing in the playoffs is a member yeah. of the Hammers. And as you pointed out, the Atlanta team has the, the highest, the exceedingly high QHAR. Yes, so there's that. Absolutely. So let's t- let's spend a second talking about your former twins boyfriend Eddie Rosario, I know. who's MVP, MVP. So I got to love uh, Eddie at the beginning of this year when he was briefly a Guardian, um, and at one point mm-hmm. the batting order for the Guardians had two Rosarios and two Ramirez's in a row, which I just loved. So he was picked up by Atlanta while he was injured. So they picked him up while he was you know still on the IL, didn't play for weeks and weeks, didn't play until the end of August. And then kicked it in gear, you know, showed up and hasn't looked back since. So in the NLCS, he had two four-hit games, including one of those was against Max Scherzer. The second one was almost a cycle, but he had two home runs instead of the double. So he had an extra home run. So missed the cycle, but okay, we'll take the homer. Um, And Mm -hmm. in game six, he had that three-run home run, which totally turned things around. The other super fun thing to watch about about the hammers is they made their crazy pitching work their yeah. their bullpen completely rocked and i could talk about any number of guys but i just want to take a second to talk about tyler matzek who the his team nickname um don't drink beer right next it's going to come out your nose is tyler Balsack. <laughs> so, so my, my dad actually was just talking about the, him which is hysterical dad approves of tyler Matthew. yeah yeah because apparently like he'll he'll pitch anywhere anytime and mm-hmm. you know um so for instance in game six in the seventh inning he came on with no outs and runners on second and third and proceeded to strike out in a row pujols susa and bets on 11 pitches Oh, my God. He is the first pitcher in postseason history to strike out three consecutive batters in the same inning with runners on second and third. None of those guys scored. I mean, he saved that freaking game. He turned it back around for the Hammers. And then he came back out in the eighth inning and had a 1-2-3 inning on six pitches. So he's a freaking hero. And the extra reason why this is so special is a couple years ago, he was living in an RV playing indie ball. Oh, my God. He had, like, fallen off the radar of Major League Baseball. Like, they had, he had kind of come around and ended up, like, in the – in like, Snicker said, oh, yeah, there's that guy. Couldn't remember his name last season. Figured wow. out who he was. Signed him to a two-year minor league deal in August. And now he got them to the frickin' World Series. Frickin' World Series. Wow. Yeah. So um, – on the accessories note, because I am currently wearing my grandmother's pearls, I switched up my pearl necklace for the show. Um, 
Oh, wow. Yeah, so different pearls today. So I learned some things about Jack Peterson's pearl necklace, right? So Jack and I both take off our pearls to sleep, which is funny that I learned that today because for game six, I was so sleepy. I was watching from bed, but I had my pearls on (laughs) with my pajamas, but I remembered to take them off before I went to sleep. So it's good to know. And you had asked about like worrying about like, what if it breaks? Right. And I said, oh, no, they're not in between. Now we have confirmation from the actual jeweler who was, was interviewed who said they're 14 millimeter pearls. It's a 24 inch strand. They are hand knotted and they are tied, you know, they're knotted in between each pearl. And in case they break, they break, they have three backups at the jewelers ready to overnight just in case. Holy shit. And the jeweler who apparently caters to a certain, you know, economic class, they're not even that expensive. They're only like $4,000. Whereas the other stuff, like the guys with the diamonds or whatever, those are $40,000 necklaces. Right. But for those of us on a budget, you can get $5 replicas at the ballpark. Yeah, I, I forget the price tag on Javi Baez's necklace when he did yeah, that slide. Oh, right. That it, was was a, a, it was a shit ton of money. Was it a necklace or was it an earring? I can't <sighs> even remember now. But anyway, yeah, it was. It was yeah. a shit ton of money. But the hilarious thing, so I get to all the way to the end of this article and I figure out, oh, my God, there is an Austin involved in this. Oh, God. Because remember, so Jack used to be a Dodger, right? Last year, he was a Dodger before he got traded to the Cubs and then to Atlanta. So Austin Barnes started working with this jeweler who was recommended by somebody who came over to the Dodgers from the White Sox who got recommended by Frank Thomas. So like, you know, so it went around and around and around. Um, Apparently, Jack was, you know, Austin Barnes was looking for a jeweler for an engagement ring. Really liked this jeweler, this jeweler recommended him to Jack Peterson as well as everybody else on the team. So like your BMX boys use them, Clayton Kershaw uses everybody uses this jeweler. The jewelry store is called Happy Jewelers. It's called Happy Jewelers. <laughs> of course they're happy. Like they've got all these baseball players paying them a lot of oh, money. Oh my god. I feel I find that it's hysterical that baseball players have jewelers. Like I just never thought of that. I know they wear the bling, but I didn't think they'd have like Well, you know, they also have partners and spouses jeweler. and family right. members and people they want to buy gifts for as, as well wow. as their own personal bling. So I noted that that during the last game, they picked up a lot of people in the crowd wearing pearls. And what mm-hmm. I what I want to know, men and women, what I want to know is how many of them are also doing the chop. Like, are they the mm-hmm. same people, or are they different people? Like, oh no, I'm I'm in it for the pearls, and I would never, I would never do that horrible thing. Or is it like I'm going to do all the stuff? I'm going to do all the stuff and pile on. So I need a, somebody to do a, a science project for me and Absolutely. figure that out. Absolutely, yeah. I want to see that Venn diagram. Yeah, you know? yeah, just pearls, just yeah. Chop. So I have, right, Mm -hmm. right. So I have um, an action plan for ending the chop, but we're going to, we're going to save that for later. So I'm going to finish up just talking about the, um, just the, the the series itself first, because I got to spend a a minute and a half on the Dodgers, right? That's fair. So Chris Taylor, who I love, had a three home run game and it couldn't happen to a nicer guy because anybody else who hit a home run, I believe all of my texts about that started with an F-bomb and then insert name here, but not Chris Taylor. It was like, oh, but I like him. Yeah, but I like him. But I think it was Ron Darling um, on on the commentary who spot on identified what I don't like about the Dodgers as a team. I mean, I have the big problems. I have the big, you know, brushing, you know, sexual assault under the rug kinds of stuff at at several levels within the organization. But what I don't like about the guys, I mean, we were talking just a minute ago about how some of the guys over here and some of the guys over here we really like, Mm -hmm. but it's like other other issues around it. It's also the guys with the Dodgers. And Ron Darling, I think it was him, said they are a group of guys that know they are name brands. 
Hmm. And so like they, it's like they're seeing themselves differently. They're not like, mm. hey, we are team players. We are yeah. a group. They're like, there were all these individuals that people can stop on the street and they know us by name and they know us by face. And that's not, that's not cool. That's not cool. And speaking of the sexual assault stuff, more than once, the commentators were, you know, they, when they were talking about, well, you know, the Dodgers had like this lineup of the stable of aces, this stable of aces. And then they were dropping off because of this and because of that and the other thing. And the Trevor Bauer dropping off, they said, oh, yeah legal troubles right and i just want to give them i want to give commentators a little bit of a a little lesson it's not hard to say the following sentence trevor bauer is on administrative leave while the league is investigating him under their joint domestic violence sexual assault and child abuse policy you can say those words it doesn't even say oh i think he is this or i think he's that it's just the fact he, yeah. he is, in fact, on administrative leave while that is happening. You can leave it at that, and it's still not just legal troubles. Yep. All, all the social media people, are the, the, the big ones for, you know, like the main stations, are totally guilty of doing the same thing. And I am sick of it. I'm just sick of seeing shit like legal issues. It looks like a fucking contract or something. You know, we're talking about sexual and physical assault. It's it's reprehensible. And the other thing that's totally upsetting to me, and I don't know, I keep it on my feed, but his account, he's posting again. And he, he after that post that we talked about, what was it last week or the week before, where he basically said, I'm back and this part was settled and this part is hanging on and I'm not going to talk about it. He's now just posting all these shots of him working out. Like lifting weights, like looking cool, his long hair flowing. And again, on Instagram where, you know, he can delete what he doesn't like. They're just all, you know, go Trevor, you're innocent, blah, blah, blah. But there was this whole thread of people saying that he was framed by Manfred. And I was just like, holy shit. And it wasn't just one person. It was a lot. And I just thought, these are not our people, clearly. But it it just terrifies me that, you know, that kind of cult following mentality exists in this situation. Especially when Bauer himself has said, yes, I did these things. This was, right. in fact, the kind of sexual, the kind of sex that we had was this. Right. I mean, he didn't disagree with that. I mean, he disagreed on whether or not he had consent. But he did never, never denied actually doing the things that he was accused of doing. So right. how can even, you know, that's that just makes no sense it to me. It blows my fucking mind. Yeah. I don't get it. Nope. 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 So also in police blotter, we are going to seize the moment to chop the chop. So here's Woo-hoo! here's me defending why I'm rooting for the hammers. OK, so it's the chopping fan base that makes me nuts. And it is the ownership that won't change the name. Right. So mm-hmm. I think we can fix that. I think that's fixable. I don't think it's the guys. I think every guy that comes up to bad, I think, oh, I really like him. He's a good guy. He's, and so I don't want these guys to suffer from all the crap that's half, happening around them. And given the choices between the Hammers and the Astros, I'm picking lesser of two evils in my view, which is I love all of these guys. It's specifically the ownership and the fan base that I can't bear. So here's how we're going to fix it. Are you with me? You can help me fix it? Yeah, yeah, totally. I just don't think you can do it in time for the World Series. No, but we're going to take advantage <laughs> of the World Series. Okay. We are, we are going to, this is a freaking spotlight. This is yeah, a big yeah. no, for this. spotlight. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. So even TBS already changed. So a week ago, 
when they were broadcasting games from whatever the heck their suburban white ballpark is called now, they were all they're focusing on all these people doing the chop. Last the last game, they were not. They caught like one person doing the chop once, and then once they had this horrible thing where they turned the lights off and then the people the chop with their cell phones. They did show that, but other than that, they didn't have any. So it's like the, like the but, ma- the magnitude of showing the chop though went from like several like yeah. like half an hour <laughs> to like ten seconds. So I think. I mean, this is, t- this is on TBS. This is absolutely on the network. They're, they're, they're making a choice whether they're showing this or not. And I think there has been some pressure to not do it. And I think that's starting to be reflected in how they're broadcasting the game. And that's many steps in the right direction. I don't know how the fuck they can mute the war chant, though, because no matter right. what, you're going to hear that. And I don't think I don't know that you can eliminate that. Right. And on the chop, the problem for me was there was this dude behind home plate in the last game who just kept going. I'm like, it's behind home plate. They can't not show him. He's there. Yeah. Yep. 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 So the question is, what is Fox going to do when the World Series goes to Fox? Are they going to just say, hey, look at all these fans being into it and, you know, doing the chop? Mm-hmm. Or are they going to specifically stay away from it and i'm hoping there's enough pressure like here are some actions that i think that could actually be taken one is i would love it for sponsors to say you guys focus on this chop we're not we're not paying for ad time we're out we're out you know hit him in the pocketbook right because we know that everybody wants to make the money they could do that i don't think anybody's making noises to do that but they could small scale you know how when we're in nats park and everybody boos when there's a throw over to first base what does the organist do he, mm-hmm. They immediately played the Heidi Heidi Ho thing, so we stop booing and start singing something else. Mm-hmm. I think the ballpark could be active. Like, they, they've been sitting it out. They haven't been playing the war chant. They haven't been, like, actively encouraging it, but they sure as hell haven't done anything to stop it. Right. And they could. They could do subtle things like that to redirect people, redirect them, redirect them. On a bigger thing, the league could take some actions to hold the teams specifically responsible for what their fans do. And there is precedent for this. Um, and one of the, and so we're going to cross train with, with FIFA, which is the International Soccer Federation, right? So they have a protocol that's followed for what they call discriminatory incidents. And this was used when fan, the fan bases were yelling homo- homophobic slurs, for instance, right? So this is, this is apples to apples. Absolutely what's happening right here, right? Mm-hmm, so definitely. step one, they stop the match. And they give the fans a warning. If it continues, they suspend the match and they send the players to the locker room until it stops. And step three, they stop the game altogether. So do it, damn it. And they also mm-hmm. sanction teams specifically. And, and one, or in this case, federation, they, they, an example here is they sanctioned the Mexican Soccer Federation, which is the FMF, for the actions of fans. They have fined the team, this federation. They did stop a game in July, and then two games were played in closed stadiums. So you could you can play these next two games, but your fans can't be here, right? So there were real consequences to people doing horrible, bad things. And then the team, because it, there was a problem for them, started to actively try to stop their fans. They had a social media campaign and campaigns on the video boards during the matches. And like the video board warned them, warned fans that you could be ejected if you participate in this kind of thing. And the social media stuff was really positive. It was like, it said, we are Mexicans, we're better than this. Support without offending. 
Yep. Right. That can happen. I mean, that's all these different levels where where, you know, the, the league could do things, the team could do things. And, you know, I think there's definitely a lot of social pressure from outside, which may be how the, you know, like the thing I didn't mention before, like with, with TBS, like not showing the chop, no networks show it when fans run on the field. Right. That's that's a policy. That's a broadcast yeah. policy that when fans are doing idiotic things, we don't show it because we don't want to encourage it. Like, hey, look, I got on TV for running on the field. Well, let's not show it when, you know, you're doing racist crap. So there's that. So I wish people were willing to act on this. I want this to be solvable. I want this to be solvable. Um, I think it is solvable. And I want everybody to start talking about it or talk about it more and talk about it in the right places. So I want to say right now to the Atlanta team, if you follow Patty's suggestions, I will support you in the World Series. I promise. If you do not, I will not because I can't deal with that shit right now. But (laughs) I think that Patty's fucking brilliant. And y'all should listen to her if you want a future because this is going to implode on you someday. So Listen up, folks. You got to make these changes. Listen up, folks. And, you know, on the bright side for us picking different teams, it'll be more fun. Oh, totally. (laughs) And so the thing is, though, I am not going to be – there is no real huge degree of, like, me really cheering for the Astros. It'll just be like, all right, while the game is being played, I'll be a little bit of excited if Astros, somebody, especially one of the ones I like, does something good. I like Machete. So, But you know, you are going to say, oh, that Freddie Freeman, he's adorable. Oh, oh that Dan B. Swanson, he's adorable. Oh, of I really course. like that guy. Oh, look, there's Ozzy Albies. I love him. So that's, I mean, I do like games and they don't happen that often where I really don't give a shit who wins. You know what I mean? And you just like to get, especially a high level one, like a World Series, and you just want to watch the play going really well. You know, I think when we saw the Houston Dodgers series in uh, 17, when we started this whole show, I, I think that's how I was watching it. I didn't feel very strongly about either team. Which we, is we, we kept like rooting back and forth, like you yeah. know, d- depending on the day and how they were playing. And yeah, that's true. And isn't that funny in retrospect? Yeah. Like, sure. <laughs> oh my God, the feelings yep. that have come out about those teams. So, and then there well, are we're, worse we teams are exactly there. as old as this as the cheating scandal. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Yes, we broke that news. Little little known fact. Go back to our early episodes. Oh, my God. But there are other teams that are not doing the right thing. And one is the Texas Rangers, who we've talked about this before, how they were the only team not to do a Pride Day, which yes. is yes. ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. So recently, and I've got to put this on my calendar for next year because I didn't realize this has been going on for since 2010. There's a spirit day, the third Thursday in October, to take a stand against bullying, specifically of LGBTQ plus youth. And it was started in 2010 after some, you know, sad, really horrific suicides. And the need to focus especially on this group and give support and and shout out to MLB for doing something right just to encourage this kind of thing. But the Rangers this year and every other year, apparently since 2010, are the only team that don't put the word or the acronym, whatever, LGBTQ plus in their post. So their post read, join us in taking a stand against bullying and in support of inclusion, hashtag spirit day. 
every other MLB team specifically said supporting LGBTQ youth, except for Atlanta. But I think they've gotten a little bit too much shit about this because they put the link in there to GLAD, which mm-hmm. is the organization that's that's be- that they're working with and is benefiting a lot from this. And also, the the people who here I am defending the Atlanta team. The people who had criticized them, if they had just looked back in their Twitter account a couple years in 2013, 2018, actually, they had this picture of like a huge amount of their staff specifically saying we support LGBTQ youth. And it was in there. It was people wearing purple. It was saying everybody support this. And 2013 also, they had a very explicit tweet. So I don't know. But the Rangers, zip, zip. And not only that, that they're really evasive in in any sort of interview. Like, why do you do this? And it's just one of those little dances around and not quite answer the question that you're being asked. I have noticed that Texas in general, especially very recently, doesn't necessarily follow anybody else's rules, even if they are the governing <laughs> rules. Yeah, it happens. That it's, is it, that's really consistent. sad. Yeah, you know, interestingly, the Houston team, the Houston Astros, they got called out also for initially admitting it, but then they reposted, <laughs> oops, sorry, water bottle, honestly. Um, they reposted a, a very positive, very clear uh, post uh, with lots of rainbow stuff. So they made a point to be inclusive. Um, interestingly, the the Rangers thing apparently might have started from 2003, where somebody had the idea to try to do something a little bit to reach out to the LGBTQ plus community, and they invited players from. Dallas's Gay and Lesbian Volleyball League, the Gay Rugby Team, the Gay Softball Leagues, and the Texas Gay Rodeo Association. Just all of those existing is an amazing thing. And for the Rangers to reach out and invite athletes to a, to a, to a game, impressive, but there were crazy people protesting. Like crazy, stupid, nasty. Why protest something like this? Like, isn't that fun? It's We were all about cross-training and honoring people from different sports, but fuck it. So since then, zip, zero, nothing, afraid of alienating that fan base. And, you know, I don't know. They, they've got to do better. They've totally got to do better. You know, MLB also has to do better because their tweet about, about it, you know, which they did. And it had Billy Bean, who does all this stuff. And he was the first dude. And then there were all these other people. But there were no players. It was like a little video clip. And it's like, shouldn't it be players encouraging people to think about this day and retweet this idea? It was all LGBTQ activists. But of course, yeah, I mean, I get that. They could go a little bit better. Yeah, maybe our boyfriends could um, could lead that charge because they seem like guys who would be happy to speak out about righting wrongs and protecting people who need the protection. Yep. Yep. I would hope so. Some teams did better. The Cardinals actually mentioned their year-round support of a partnership with a St. Louis Metro Trans Umbrella Group. And the Rockies actually had a prize pack with like all sorts of Spirit Day specifically marked rock, but you know they're purple anyways, so it wasn't like a big, <laughs> a big change but they did in marketing it. They still for them. Did it. 
Yeah. 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 And the Astros tweeted that they were, this is their retweet after correcting that not having mentioned it the first time, that they're committed to make baseball for everyone, including LGBTQ youth. So little steps, little steps, but you know, Rangers, man, we got to change that. Rangers, man, for sure. Hey, what about international baseball? I hear that's maybe happening or maybe not. What's going on? So uh, interestingly, the, uh, the Australian Baseball League happened last year. There were a lot of really weird um, shutdowns of different games because different provinces would close their borders. And so then you could like a team didn't want to go to an away game because they might get stuck there and not be able to go home or some sometimes that happened. And it ended up being a huge financial drain on the system. Because of COVID. Am I remembering that, was it Manny Ramirez? There was somebody yes. that was like wandering around Australia and not actually participating in, in the league, but was supposed to? Absolutely. He was supposed to play for this the Sydney Blue Sox. This league doesn't exist. And that was entirely like non-COVID related. But Rachel Valkovich was there like training. I think she, she was with the Sydney Blue Sox doing, you know, baseball stuff because it wasn't happening there. And it was there last year. But they decided to cancel it this year. And I, I, I don't know. I'm concerned for Australian baseball because leagues can't take that big of a hit that many years and have players be developed. Like last year was just a fucked up year because they just couldn't function the way that they wanted. And then they they announced it. Now, first they postponed it. It was supposed to start in November. It was going to start in December. And then they just a few days ago said, nope. And so players wow. are bummed. Leagues That's- are bummed. That's really bad. I mean, like all this year, commentators were mentioning how, you know, here in, you know, in the minor leagues in the United States, there since there were no minors last year. All of mm-hmm. those guys, they didn't have the kind of development that they normally get like on, on their path for an entire year. And how much did that hurt them? And yeah. now this entire league. Yeah. Yeah. And it's an alternative sometimes for, you know, MLB minors who are like trying to keep playing baseball. And so you go look somewhere else like. Australia or, you know, that's exactly with Taiwan, too. Taiwanese baseball, I have not talked about in a while. I have not watched for a while, but actually I've caught a few innings in here and there this week, and it's been super fun. Junichi Tozawa, who used to be a Red Sox relief pitcher, is playing for the Dragons, which is the underdog team. So they're like my next favorite. But my, of course, my first favorite is my Lions, who are only one in back of the brothers. So... I can see it happening. I can totally see it happening. They have until November 7th. That's the end of the regular season. And then there's a makeup between the Dragons and the Brothers that's going to be on November 8th from a, I think it was a rain delay or they were called in the fifth inning. And we'll see what happens. But I'm hopeful because if the Brothers take it, like, it's, I don't you won't understand. hear the end of it. Yeah. You well, won. also, it means that w- they will have won both parts of the season. So then other rules come into play. It's like usually the person who wins the first half goes against the person who wins the second half or the team, rather. Yeah. But if they win the both halves, then. Then the party's over. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my gosh. I can so, keep watching. So, speaking of parties, so friends of mine um, who are not baseball fans invited me to like this dinner and you know crafting night thanks i also do that uh on tuesday and i said oh well i could come to dinner but it's game one of the world series so i'd have to leave you know and they said okay well what about wednesday i was like uh game, game <laughs> two of the world series talk to me in 10 days 
So, yeah, so my week is watching, you know, World Series baseball and trying to catch up on some sleep on the off nights because this West Coast stuff was killing me dead and I still haven't caught up from it. But um, I'm going to go hammers in seven. What do you got, potty mouth? Oh, gosh. So this is the heart versus the head kind of thing. So I think I'm going to be rooting for the Astros, but I think the hammers are going to take it. And I would even say six. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, you know what What made me go seven was the last couple of games against the Red Sox was like, okay, when they kick it in gear, I mean, when they're bad, they're very, very bad. When they're good, right. they are unstoppable. So I think it's going to take seven. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, there's that for sure. So I'm sure all y'all are going to be watching some World Series this week. If you have time to listen to some past episodes of No Crying in Baseball, we hope you do. And tell your friends if you think they'd like to hear us talk about baseball. And absolutely, please find us on social media. Hang out with us on Twitter, NCIB Podcast, Facebook and Instagram, No Crying in B-Ball. All right. Hey, we believe in vaccines. We believe in not cheating. We believe in non-racist activities by fans and baseball teams. We love baseball, even though it breaks our freaking hearts. So, hey, that, that's our story for this time. Fight the man and say goodnight, potty mouth. Good night, potty mouth. drinking i'm not i just don't i've had such a weird day i'm not even imbibing oh wow i know but i feel like you've had enough for both of us so we average (laughs) out to appropriately tipsy